Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'd like to feature a conversation I recently recorded with two of the leaders from our class of 2020, Katie Bolton and Andrew Moore. I recently sat down with Katie and Andrew to talk a little bit more about how they decided to pursue an MBA and what led them to Darden, but also why they decided to serve as community reps for their class, the class of 2020. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Katie Bolton and Andrew Moore. Katie, Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brett. How are you? Doing great. It's a glorious Friday afternoon here in Roslyn, Washington, D.C. metro area. Uh, As I understand it, some of us, at least a third of this podcast... Uh, team would will be watching jaws later tonight what a great day all right but you're not here to talk about movies you're here to talk about your work as community reps uh, for the Roslyn section Uh, before we get to that though our listeners at home would like to learn a little bit more about you so Katie why don't we start with with you Um, tell us a little bit more about who you are and uh, how you decided to pursue an MBA Sure. Uh, so my name is Katie Bolton. I'm in the class of 2020 in the Roslyn cohort of the Darden Executive MBA. Uh, I'm going to watch Cabaret this evening with a friend. Classic movies all around. Um, and I work in internal and executive communications for a research and advocacy nonprofit here in D.C. Uh, a little bit different than the traditional MBA type that you might expect, but it's been a really wonderful journey and a long kind of trip to get to Darden. Uh, I started looking at full-time programs at one point, kicked that down the road, decided I needed to keep working. I had one of those millennial portfolio careers that was a little bit all over the place, Um, wanted some stability on my resume and in my life while I was doing this program. Um, So people kept telling me to get an MBA before I started looking, and I was like, why? And then I started visiting classrooms and got, oh, I get it now. Uh, I want to talk about these things you're talking about processes and doing things in a logical way. You're talking about how to run things well, how to make people do their best in an unusual environment. And that really appealed to me. So here I am. And Andrew, how about you? Uh, What's your background? How did you decide to pursue an MBA? So my background is in politics, communications, and issue advocacy mainly. Um, Most recently worked at a tech and politics startup called Brigade that was meant to be a social network for voters that gave uh, voters tools they needed to communicate with their representatives and to communicate with each other and leverage their collective action on issues that they care about most. Um, Before that, I worked in um, public affairs and ran campaigns for corporate and nonprofit clients um, across the, the issue spectrum and really enjoyed all of that work. Um, But uh, I started to do more um, business development work, uh, pitching new clients, putting together client proposals, and and tailoring our firm's capabilities to client needs. And I really enjoyed that process. Uh, And for me, that was really the highest level work I could do there. But I, I quickly realized there were a lot of other things that are required to run a business successfully not just business development, but people management, operations, finance, accounting, all of these things that I didn't have uh, any formal training in and really wanted to increase my skill set. So I started to think about an MBA at that point and uh, learned about Darden. Uh, and I chose Darden for a few reasons. First, because the 
academics are excellent. Professors are, are great. I think world-class, best I've ever had and, and been in the classroom with. Second, the culture and the students are great. They're exactly what I was looking for. I think there's generally an attitude of wanting to help each other learn um, throughout the, the whole program. And um, lastly, the location here in D.C. was important to me, being so close to where I live and work. So, Katie, I'm, I'm curious. What It sounds like it was a process for you uh, to find, you know, sort of, the, okay, an MBA is the right step and to potentially find the right program. But what about Darden really resonated with you? Uh this was not the main reason, but certainly the convenient access for me from my home in D.C. was a big part for me. Um, I don't own a car. I was like, oh, I can take the train. Um, but I also had a f- former colleague who did the residential program, and she was just raving about it the entire time. And that was the first time it Darden as an entity came into my radar. Uh, when I started looking at the executive program, it was a classroom full of people like I wanted to be around. They were my peers. They weren't significantly younger than me, which is how I felt in the full-time program visits. Um, they all had really interesting backgrounds. You know, I work in a nonprofit in D.C. I don't spend a ton of time around people in the military or people in working for, you know, web service companies. And these folks did that. These folks are doing all those things. Um, so the variety of people that the tenor of the conversations too in the classes I visited were really really just like smart and thoughtful and engaging Um, I was never someone who participated a lot in class in college and I found myself in the back of the classroom like oh I want to say something what is this feeling Um, so all of those things were really exciting and just the whole team was so welcoming and so helpful as I was applying and going through some job transitions myself like the support that I got was really meaningful and kind of pushed me like, yeah, this is the place for you. They want you to be here and you want to be there. Yeah. I, I do hear often, um, that the class visit for people is really that eye opener. Um, and just seeing how students interact with each other. Um, and that, that sort of culture that's on display. I mean, particularly at a place like Darden, um, where it's so participatory, right? It's not going to be lecture. A lot of people want to see what the case method looks like. And uh, both of you have noted location, and I will say, uh, when I first started here at Darden, we were fully in Charlottesville with our executive MBA program, and then we announced that we were coming to D.C., and we met all these people um, who were just saying, you know, oh, well, you know, the program wasn't an option to me when it was in Charlottesville, and these folks lived in D.C., and we were like, gosh, well, it's only, only two hours away, but time strapped, you know, all these kinds of things that executive MBA uh, candidates are dealing with, uh, you know, have an option that's convenient and you know we're sitting here sans family grounds we can see reagan national out of uh it doesn't come through on the podcast but we can see it out of the window here in this learning team room uh it's five miles away union station's five miles away so even if you're thinking about coming in uh for the program and you're not based in dc super convenient so andrew you talked about uh, some of the things that, that resonated with you it sounds like culture was a was a big part of, of your decision is it you know it's did you come for a visit? Did you have interactions through the process? How would you encourage a student to sort of get a feel for you know the culture that's present here? So for me, the best way to do that was through the class visit. And um, case method is sort of an abstract concept unless you sit in on one of those classes and really see it take place. And, and there's actually 
for uh, prospective students, case method classes that are just for them, and you can engage with other prospective students and professors at the same time. So it really, I think, gives you as close of an experience to the real thing as you can get. And I think what, what that showed me and sitting in on a class for the class of um, 2019 was that the case method works really well for two reasons. I think it's the professors and because of the variety of experiences of the students around you. So that's a key difference that I think exists between the full-time program and the executive MBA program is the depth of experience that executive MBA students have. And so you can think of the kinds of discussions uh, you have between CFOs and CEOs and entrepreneurs and people at all levels of their career at the executive MBA level in those case discussions. Uh, That really made me excited about the program and it's it's worked out that way as well uh, through the, the six quarters that I've been here and I've, I've really enjoyed the give and take with with classmates in those discussions you both have talked about the diversity in the classroom and you, and you very much get to appreciate that in the case method because everybody speaks and participates and you know participation is a pretty good chunk of your grade here um, now that you are entering the seventh quarter of the of the program uh, there are only ten quarters so uh, the end is near. You, it's in. It's inside at least. You can see it. It's out there on the horizon. You know, May will be here before you know it. May uh, 2020. Um, so, I'm curious about you know what have been your key takeaways. What have you gotten out of the program when you think about who you were when you started the program or before you started the program to now? You know, how would you how would you summarize the impact of the program for you over over the past you know a little over a year? Katie, any any key key takeaways for you? Yeah, I think a big step for me has been, I'm going to call it acknowledging my limitations, but that's not quite the right word for it. Um, Really leaning on my classmates, actually getting to the point where I was comfortable asking for help, not feeling like I had to do all of the work by myself, and I had to understand everything perfectly before I got here, uh, and being able to find the people who understood accounting and finance, um, the subjects that i had no background in and was like, what is this foreign language thing that they're throwing at me? Um, That was really, really valuable, and people have been really generous with their time and their expertise, and it has been beneficial for me and also just made me more willing to do that for others and also ask people for it. That is something that people regularly talk about is being probably one of the bigger challenges for folks. I mean, you have a lot of really successful people in the program. That kind of vulnerability saying like, oh, I need help with this or look, I've got a really busy week. You have to lean on other people. I mean, obviously, you're there for other people when when they are busy. Um, That's something you hear quite often. Um, How about for you, Andrew? Uh, Any any particular takeaways over this uh, year plus um, that have stood out to you? Well, first, I think I've made lifelong friends, people I'll know throughout my career and and life, which has been great. I think somebody put it early on in the program that starting at Darden is meant to expand the circle of people who care about you. I thought that was a good way of putting it, and I've definitely experienced that here. Uh, And I think in the classroom, uh, I've been surprised by... Uh, the extent to which I've been trained to view everything from a leadership perspective, whereas before I thought of things more from an individual contributor perspective. So one example is a case we did 
in ethics class recently, just this past quarter, uh, regarding a pharmaceutical company and deciding whether or not to develop a drug. And the case was meant to make you think about the the ethical implications uh, of balancing this financial and moral decisions of developing a drug that would cure a large group of people. Um, and in that case, it's not only a kind of personal ethical decision that you're, you're trying to make, but it's a decision it's a decision for the entire company that today um, we found out at the end actually has defined the mission for that company, the company's culture, and people actually go in and work at that drug maker now because of that decision. Um, so I thought that was a really powerful way of demonstrating the the leadership aspect of learning some of these concepts in a way that, that I just didn't do before. Katie, do you feel like the, the program has helped you, you know, take a step forward as a, as a leader? You know, we think of Darden, uh, you talk about a lot of things, enterprise perspective, case method, you know, sort of CEO way of, way of thinking. Um, all that is, in my opinion, code for leadership, um, particularly with, with this program. And we've got two leadership residencies. You have leadership sort of woven throughout the program. Um, have, has the program helped you take a step as well? as a leader? Definitely. Um, I do things that I probably wouldn't have done before in my job. I, I assert myself and express kind of strategic opinions and thoughts uh, more regularly than I would have. I go into my daily work looking for new opportunities that will be appreciated on a kind of broader level. I'm starting a new series on our internal news site um, that focuses on staff, and it has all of these wonderful benefits in terms of retention and representation. Um, but I love that I get to tell a lot of people's cool stories, too. So it has, it has given me a lens to look at my work from a bigger picture um, and to take, take charge, I guess, of things like that. Absolutely. All right. So... Um, we asked you to come on the podcast for a number of reasons. One, we wanted to, to hear about you and wanted our listeners to hear about you. Um, but we also were particularly interested in, in the work you're doing as community reps. So one of the running themes on the podcast over at least uh, the past few months has been leadership opportunities uh, within the program. We featured a lot of our clubs or organizations um, and uh, some of the leaders for those. Um, community reps are another way to be involved and uh, I think it's a great example of the fact that this is not a transactional MBA experience for folks, right? So if you're coming just to get an MBA and move on once you have the credential, you're probably not taking on extracurricular obligations, um, but this is very much a part of the Darden culture. And so I'm curious how you thought, I mean, you're both very busy individuals, but I'm curious about how you thought, yes, this is something that I want to do. What was, what was your motivation, Andrew? So first, I saw the interest among my classmates to get involved in different um, community causes and things. And so I said, okay, there, there's clearly this interest that um, someone in the program needs to, to help um, direct and help uh, classmates sort of realize their potential there because everyone doesn't have the, the time to go and, and kind of create these different opportunities. And second, we're so close to D.C. where every nonprofit is either headquartered or has a base of operations, and I think that's a huge advantage uh, for the Darden program and, a, for me, a part of the value proposition here. And some of the things that Katie and I are working on um, would help, uh, I, I 
don't want to say it sound cliche, like unlock some of that potential of all these nonprofit organizations here, uh, not just the the kind of businesses that we already work at um, as part of our full-time jobs or, or learn about in the classroom. So I, I see like long-term that being a, a really important part of uh, the, the Darden program for, for every class. How about you, Katie? What, what led you to get involved in this way? Yeah, I would echo a lot of what Andrew said about seeing the interest in my classmates. I've, I'm a person who's very motivated by helping people do a thing they want to do. Um, so having worked for a couple of years in corporate philanthropy, I had some experience with volunteer activities and in-kind donations and charitable giving campaigns. Uh, this was a little bit in my wheelhouse, but being a leader on it and being in an environment where it's not inherently built into the program uh, felt like more of a challenge for me. So I was very excited to have a way to both engage our classmates while we're in the program and give them the tools that can be useful to them when they're gone, when they're in the rest of their lives and they want to be on a board or or start their own foundation. Um, I was very excited about those opportunities. And in LR1, I set the goal for myself of taking on a leadership role, um, something I had shied away from in undergrad and in earlier parts of my career, so I wanted to challenge myself to step up in that way. This is a great fit for that. So some of our listeners may be wondering, what is a community rep? And what is the charge of, of the community reps? So let, let's, uh, now that we've discussed why you wanted to do this, let's talk a little bit more about what the role entails. And maybe it's a blank slate. I don't know. Um, but how do you conceptualize the role? So I think it is what each class makes of it, um, which, which is a good thing. We can kind of determine that. Uh, but I think for, for Katie and I, um, we've talked a lot about uh, organizing different events for everyone here uh, at the community level, uh, as well as some other opportunities, maybe on pro bono work, um, philanthropy, fundraisers. We've, we did one a, a couple of quarters ago. Uh, and in translating some of the things that full-time MBAs do and have in Charlottesville to the executive MBA program, uh, and, and it's a big challenge to do that given the different nature of executive students, the constraints of the program, people already don't have a lot of time. Uh, and so how do we help people get involved in their community and do things outside of the classroom that they want to do and that can help them professionally and personally uh, within those constraints? And so we've, we've got a lot planned over the next few quarters all, all the way to May of, of 2020 to do some of those things. Uh, Katie, would you say... Uh, I, let me begin by saying we get a lot of questions from prospective students about how students, you know, sort of get outside the bubble of of their sort of MBA experience and give back and are a force for good in the community. And you know, admittedly, as as Andrew noted, you and your classmates have a lot on your plate, like between life and school and work. Uh, is there an appetite uh, within your class to to do these sorts of things? Um, you know, what, what do you encounter from your classmates when you say, hey, we're thinking about doing this community activity? Yeah, there's definitely an appetite. The class representatives did a survey after, shortly after they were elected, and classmates gave a lot of feedback. They talked about the kinds of causes they were interested in, the kinds of work they wanted to do in their communities. Some of them mentioned specific organizations that they were already working with or had relationships with. Um, and we've been trying to take that and translate it into something that won't 
be too much of a time burden, basically. Um, a lot of things that are after class or at lunchtime, a lot of speakers on grounds. Um, we've, Andrew mentioned the happy hour that was pretty well attended, pretty well received, because it's the kind of thing folks are doing after class anyway. Um, so we were able to shift that into a way that benefited a really worthy organization. Um, so yeah, I think there's interest and we're just trying to acknowledge that it's hard to do it and not pressure anyone to feel like you have to do this or you're slacking if you don't do it. Like, bring it to them where they are. Yeah, maybe the point is that you're, you're even trying to do this at all, right? Um, that, it, that it's part of the value set here. Um, I'm curious. I mean, this is a temporary role. You're, you're in it for about a, about a year or so, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, what does success look like for you? At the end of the day, you get to graduation. You've been a community rep. How do you say, you know, I feel like, what would lead you to say I've, I've done a good job? So success uh, for me looks like continuing to engage with our classmates and with Darden and professors on some of these community issues uh, and organizations after graduating. So I've heard of other classes and, and how they stay in touch after graduating, uh, different alumni. Uh, some of them do cases together, actually, meet and discuss cases, which I don't know if I would ever do. But uh, there are a lot of different things you could do. And I think staying involved in the community with your fellow graduates uh, in, in different ways is a really good way of, of doing that. So I kind of look beyond graduation and think that once we've established that foundation, while we're all here together uh, during attending class and everything, doing some of these different um, programmatic things, uh, that, that then it'll carry on and um, hopefully help us to kind of remain together um, as a class in, into the future, which I think would be, would be really great. How do you think about that, Katie? Um, what would success look like for you? Yeah, I, I agree with everything Andrew said about the way our class takes it forward. I also think there's value in trying to create some continuity with the next class. Um, the biggest thing that's going to help local organizations is having a sustainable source of whether it's funding or pro bono work or just volunteers that come and help them out. Um, we were connected to an organization by one of our classmates shortly after they actually presented to the class of 2019. So we're going to have them in around the same time next year um, before we graduate to talk about a way they could volunteer um, after graduation, after we actually have the MBA that they want us to have to volunteer with them. Um, having some continuity and being able to give organizations um, more, more than just 20 minutes of our time, an hour of our time, giving them something that means more and makes Darden part of this community of Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland, I think would be really meaningful to me, too. Yeah, I feel like um, we're starting to see some of that uh, inter-class outreach. Um, so, for example, uh, we just had a webinar um, earlier this week uh, with members of your class offering advice to the incoming students, uh, all of the section representatives, yet another way you can be involved. Uh, we had section reps from Charlottesville, section reps from Roslyn uh, on a webinar um, with the incoming students answering questions about you know, managing time, schedule, life, uh, adjusting to school, tips, insights, all these kinds of things, um, which was great. We've never done anything like that before, um, but that is a great example of something that really kind of bubbled up from the students. You know, that was, 
you know, the, the section rep saying, hey, we want to we want to help these people out. We have we have this knowledge to offer. And clearly there's an appetite for it. I mean, I'll, you remember being a brand new student. Uh, you know, it's hard to fully help someone understand what the program's going to be like until you get into it. But it's all, all the advice is ultimately helpful at some point. Um, so um, I think of all of this as part of that, right? And you're trying to build this continuity. And it, it'll be interesting this year um, having both sections here. Um, both sections will be here in Roslyn uh, for our class of 2021. So we'll have one group in the small classroom, one group in the larger classroom. Uh, they'll be together 14 times over the course of the 21 months of the program, um, which will, if you create all this sort of extra, you think about what that means extracurricularly, community service-wise, all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of opportunity, I think. Um, so on the subject of student advice, um, what's one tip? I mean, we've got, probably we'll have some folks who have just started the program listening to this. We'll probably have some prospective students out there. Uh, listening, maybe thinking about starting from a year or two from now. Um, what's a piece of advice you would offer uh, to them as they think about, you know, coming back to school, starting an executive MBA? So, I think this advice would apply after you start your MBA. But I would say think early about what you want to focus on and do it with the beginning of the program. So, if you want to switch jobs. Get to know your career advisors at uh, the Career Development Center, the CDC, at the very beginning of the program. Uh, if, if you want to develop your leadership skills and sort of soft skills, think about doing an independent study maybe with one of the professors in the second half of, um, of the program. Or, or if you want to become an international business leader, then go on as many international trips, uh, not just the the one that, that you would go on uh, when you choose which trip you want to go on, but do the the smaller trips. They're called DWCs at the end of the program. So I think just figure out what you want that main value to be and don't wait to try and realize it. Start as early as you can. How about you, Katie? Okay. Um, what, what would you suggest? Um, I kind of have two thoughts. One is taking Andrew's wonderful suggestion about knowing what you want to work on and applying a personal lens to it, right? I came in knowing that I wanted to speak up more and that I wanted to take on a leadership role. Um, I have been doing those things, trying really hard at them. We've had classes like professional advancement and management communications that have assigned me essentially working on those things. And it's been really valuable. Um, but I know people have struggled with like, I, well, I don't know. I'm not great at listening, but what does that mean? How do I fix that? Um, so having having a bit of introspection and, and finding time to do that is really valuable. Um, I'd also say that it's really helpful to start out with a lot of discipline. Um, as you go along in the program, you can flex the rules you set for yourself, but if you don't start out saying like, okay, these are the times I'm studying and these are the times I'm not, um, you're going to struggle. You're, you're just not going to have the time that you think you do. You're not going to get things done, and you're going to miss out on a lot of the benefits of the first couple of quarters where you're getting such a foundation. Yeah, you see a lot of different thoughts about time management. Um, I'm going to rehash a few that we've shared on the Admitted Student blog because I think they're generally helpful. Uh, one comes from your classmate, Emma Kanukin, by way of Peter DeBear, um, global economics professor Peter DeBear, the soccer metaphor uh, keep the ball at your foot, meaning do a little bit every day, 
uh, stay on top of it. Uh, Emma's suggestion was also uh, to uh, try to work at times where you don't feel like you'll be distracted by other things. So she was talking about working uh, early in the morning on the weekends, uh, you know, 6 a.m. on a Saturday, for example. Not that many people pulling you to do other things. Um, you see a lot of this kind of like steady state or carving out specific time. Uh, you also see people talk about budgeting time for family, life, social stuff. The other piece that you see quite frequently um, is push everything out, all the non-essential activities, push them to the side as you get started, and then gradually work them back into your schedule. I wonder if any of that resonates with you. Andrew? For sure. I think Emma's advice on finding uninterrupted time is really important because a lot of these topics, some of them are, are very technical, uh, like finance, accounting, and things, and that those thought processes need to build on uh, each other. So it to get really where you need to be, it might take several hours, and uh, you have to really be focused on it throughout that whole time. Uh, it's not going to be as, as helpful if you're distracted with things. Um, there, there's a lot, I think, that I wish I knew when I first started the program. It took me probably through Q5 to like really feel like this. my, my life now is just focused on school more than anything. Um, it, that, that was just my my experience, um, but I, I know others were, were a little bit better about um, figuring a lot of this out earlier on, like maybe Q, Q3 or so. Um, but you will get into it, I think, and it, it's, it's having that positive attitude that you're going to be able to handle the material, right? You, you wouldn't be in the program if, if you couldn't, and you always have a great support system with your learning team. So I suggest having one or, or two learning teams uh, to, to go over the material, that's been really, really helpful. But don't forget that, that you also have to learn and internalize all that information yourself. Uh, I've, I've found, though, the learning team has helped keep me on task with a lot of these different classes. Katie, any of uh, time advice uh, resonate with you, or what's been your particular approach? Yeah, uh, I'm very strongly the make time for the things that are the most important to you. Definitely had to start declining more things, tone way back on some of the things I used to do. I, we have a piano in my house. I've not touched it in months. My gift to myself when I graduate is maybe some lessons for the first time in my life. I think that would be really fun. Um, but I had some difficult family circumstances at the very beginning of the program, uh, and I have family in this area and in Pennsylvania, so it's been critical to me to just stay in touch with them, to go see my brother and sister and my nephew go visit my mom, visit my aunts and uncles. Um, and, you know, I don't see friends as often as I used to or as I wish I could, but they know what's going on and they know why it's happening. And we all have cell phones, so we're just texting constantly anymore. And, uh, you know, after May uh, graduation, uh, you'll be back. I, I, they know that you're only away for a little while. Most uh, of them have been through grad school at this point, too, so they know what it's like. That's all right. Uh, certainly in a place like, like D.C., I feel yeah, grad school, pretty common up here. Um, all right. So last question. What are you most looking forward to the uh, rest of the program? Um, you know, what's, you know, you got three quarters or so ahead of you, three, four quarters. Um, what are you looking forward to? So I haven't taken my international trip yet. Um, I know Katie has, but I'm going to India in November. I'm really looking forward to that. It's a completely 
different uh, pace than doing classes here in Roslyn. And I think it'll be really exciting to go to a country that I've never been to before and to learn how businesses operate there, how society is, uh, all kinds of different things that, that I've never done in a classroom setting or a business setting before. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And, and I might even do one of the smaller DWC trips in the uh, last or second to last quarter. There, there are a few offered and um, I might do Japan as well. So I'm, I'm real excited about those opportunities. For our listeners who are wondering what a DWC is, it's a Darden Worldwide course, and those are elective courses, uh, oftentimes more topic-focused. Um, and Japan is one of the places we've been to before. Uh, it's quite popular. The pictures were uh, pretty awesome the last time they went. Um, serious case of FOMO. Uh, nothing like reading a, reading a blog post about a DWC you didn't get to go on. The, the cruelest was when I got to write the uh, Brazil global residency trip for uh, for your class uh, summary and the India global residency blog summary for uh, the class of uh, 2019. Um, you, you, you do feel like you missed out on something, which I think is, is in fact the case. So um, how about you, Katie? What are you looking forward to accomplishing? Oh, I'm really excited about the electives that are coming up. We have one in the upcoming quarter seven, and then quarters nine and ten are all electives all the time. Um, I was really surprised by the classes that interested me and appealed to me after four or five quarters when we started voting on them um, or bidding on them. But I'm in, you know, leadership coaching and some strategy courses and another ethics course. It's going to be intense, and I'm so excited. Uh, that's my jam. Um, just really looking forward to diving into some of the stuff that I was exposed to already and know will be really valuable in the direction I'm trying to go in my own career. Well, I greatly appreciate your willingness to take time out of a, a Friday evening to come on the Exec MBA podcast. Uh, we don't usually ask our podcast participants to bear these kind of hardships, but thank you for the sacrifices that you've made. Um, thrilled with all that you're doing and all your class is doing um, to, to make continue to make Darden a, a great place for executive MBA students. So um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you, Brett. And that was my conversation with Katie Bolton and Andrew Moore, two students in our executive MBA class of 2020. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Till next time, thanks for listening.